five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Podcast on the internet. When Josie comes home, so good. Oh, yeah. She's the pride of the neighborhood. Silly Dan, a little pastiche video there. Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition, 15 Minutes of Flame. I am your uh, captain for the next uh, hour or so. And uh, we are going to take a little bit of a journey today. Journey down to Mar-a-Lago. Um, there's a lot happening in the uh, Trump world with Mar-a-Lago and these documents. Very interesting stuff. Um, we're gonna, we're going to get into some of that. Also, we're going to look at Mar-a-Lago and the history of Mar-a-Lago which is pretty interesting and and it relates to presidents who uh, vacation down in Florida and how Florida has been used as a, as a presidential residential getaway. If you're listening to the podcast, uh, welcome to the show. Glad you're here today. You can always join us at 15 minutes of flame OV flame live right here where you can hang out with Chataria. We also stream live over on Rumble as well. So uh, you can check that out, right? If you don't feel like being here or listening post on the podcast. So I have a funny Steely Dan story. Last night I was at the gym. It doesn't really, well, it, it does involve Steely Dan to some degree. So I was at the gym and I'm done working out. It's like, okay, I'm done. I go to my car and there was like a Nissan Xterra parked next to me. This is in the front of the gym. So the door of the Xterra is open on my passenger side. And there was this woman who was standing next to the door. And I got to say, she was sort of like a bit close to my car. You know what I, you know what I don't like? I don't like it when people are not conscious and aware of where they are in space and what the fuck they're doing. So instead of like, look, you know, if that was me, hello, if that was me, I'd probably shut the door and kind of move out of the way so that the person who was backing out was going to have more room. But in a, what, what I would call an act of defiance, this person did not do that. And in fact, what they did is they just stayed there, right? And so I kind of sized her up a little bit. And um, so my, <laughs> my take 
was that she was a uh, slightly, slightly dikey, um, kind of hardcore, angry Latina. That was my take on her. You know, just one of those momentary size ups, right? Like, oh, she's got a she's got a chip on her shoulder, and uh, you know, we're all God's children. But honestly, if I looked like her, I'd probably have a chip on my shoulder too. Not to say that that's not redemptive. I'm sure somebody somewhere finds her the bee's knees. But this is just my observation. <coughs> Form follows function, as Bauhaus once said. So I had a I had a strategy to get her out away from my my car so I could back out without having to think about like am I getting too close to that door? Am I getting too close to like the the the, uh, the stubborn chicha that was like defiantly standing like fuck you, I'm not moving. So when I rolled into the gym, I'd been listening to the live version of Bodhisattva by Steely Dan. And instead of, and I, I was really cranking it. So instead of turning it down when I left the car and went in the gym, it was still loud, right? I just shut my engine off. And I knew that that's where it was in the song when I left. So <laughs> I rolled my window down on the passenger side. And I started my car and immediately bodhisattva live kicks in and it's you know it's at the screaming part of the song and number one i think i probably scared the shit out of her because she like flipped out right so you know i think she little she got her attention let's put it that way and then what did she do she shut the door and then she walked around to the other side of the car mission accomplished i didn't have to say anything i just had to roll my window down and hit that bodhisattva. So it was the power of the bodhisattva that uh, that uh, assisted me in that moment. And then I pulled out, and then they got kind of aggressive with me. It was a little weird. They were, they, it was like, oh, fuck that motherfucker. Anyway, life in the not-so-big city. How was everybody today? I hope you're having a uh, wonderful, fine Thursday. We're going to try to go... Probably till about 1030 uh, central today. So it's about an hour. I got to kind of end things. I'm going to, I may not have a show tomorrow on YouTube because I have, I'm trying to, trying to sell a car. So in order to do that, I have to get it detailed and, you know, all that car shit. So it takes time to do that. And I may have to do that tomorrow. So there's a very good chance, like a 90% chance of rain. But behind me here, that's a ninety. That's, that's like headed towards a ninety percent chance of rain. There's a ninety percent chance I won't have a show tomorrow over on YouTube. So I'm just letting you know now. Ninety percent. All right. So uh, why don't we do a little shout out to my guy Chris at uh, True Ham Science, who is a sponsor of the show. I always love talking about the product because the product speaks for itself. And. Um, I hit my gummies last night and I started to listen to it. Actually a really great, you know, I, I have this habit. I've been this way since I was a kid. Started off with radio. I used to listen to radio when I was a kid. My parents had bought me this little Panasonic radio, which I loved. And it was one of those 
classic 1970s forms of technology. It was, it was a, it wasn't that big. It was about that big. It was my alarm clock radio. And it was white, you know, it was like the 70s kind of white thing. And then it had the numbers that would flip, right? And it had a little timer on it. You could turn it to 60 and you could listen to it and then the timer would go off. And that was, that. I always did that. I would like do that at night and I would, it was usually music. And I would, I don't even know, I'm not even sure what I would listen to. This is kind of before when I was actually like super, super into music, I'd find a radio station. I remember one time I heard the long version of Nights in White Satin by the Moody Blues. And it was, it was like a fucking religious experience. Um, but that's what I did. I would listen to the radio at night. And then my parents did the stupidest thing they could probably ever do was give me a TV and put it in my room because they had a color TV went from a black and white to, a, and we never had big TVs. We were never the, the giant family, you know, big fucking console RCA TV. We never had that. My grandparents had that. So whenever I went to my grandparents' house, it was always a treat watching football on their massive tube TV. Cause it was like, wow, look at this color, big picture. Right. So we always had a small TV and, uh, or a smallish TV. But then I inherited the black and white TV. And then I remember having this, another timer thing, right? My parents gave me this timer. Like, here you go. Here's a timer for your TV. It was one of these timers. that was like, it was like setting. It was big and metal and you plug the TV into the timer. And then you plug the timer into the wall. It was like a weird thing, right? And it looked like something you use for a bomb. And you'd crank it and then it would go. But I remember many times like getting back up and turning the timer back on. And I used to watch TV until about two in the morning, which is never good for a kid. Um, and then I went back to listening to the radio again at night. And this was, it was back in the nineties. I started listening to Art Bell late at night. That's what, that's what I would do. I turn on the radio and listen to Art Bell. And then eventually I started to listen to sports talk radio at night. It, it like had some kind of weird calming thing. Anyway, that's what I do. I, I listen. A lot of you do that. You listen to something at night for some people. I listen to white noise. Uh, I listen to videos until I fall asleep. So last night I was listening to um, a Roger sales video and it was really good. I got, I got to tell you, it was really fucking good. And it was all about, um, the commercial code and the matrix and um, language. I, and after hearing that, I, I definitely want to have him on as a guest because his material was really, really compelling. And he has some solutions and ideas for, you know, quote unquote, pulling out of the matrix. And he's been doing this work for 30 years. So the guy knows what he's talking about. Anyway, it was the gummies. The gummies took me there. I plugged in the uh, show and started listening. And then I was off in gummy land. So you can get the gummies and you can get a whole lot more over on True Hemp Science. It's truehemscience.com backslash ref backslash 23. And I was told that it is not Mercola who has the fulvic acid, but Dr. Tennant who has the fulvic acid. 
But the main point was it was really, it's a lot of money. And I think Chris's fulvic acid is just as good as tendon. So if you're looking to remineralize your body, so if you do something like a, a minerals, uh, a metals detox, fulvic acid is your friend. Like you need fulvic acid. And I think it's always good to do a, a metals detox, you know, every now and then, because we are just laced with whatever they're spraying from the skies and uh, whatever else is floating around in our food supply and in our water supply. So if you want really high quality fulvic acid at a really affordable price, Trium Science, by the way, if you get $100 worth of product, and that includes his non-CBD products as well. This is not just limited to CBD. So if you want to get the gummies or you want to get the moon dust or you want to try some of the fulvic acid, you can throw that in there. And $100 gets you free product. $150 gets you free shipping. And that's truehemscience.com backslash ref backslash 23. I'm going to ask if uh, Chris wants to have a table. He doesn't know this yet, but he listens to the show. Um, I'm going to ask if he wants to have a table at the event. By the way, we are hurtling towards uh, the big event. If you are attending, you will be getting a newsletter email blast today and been working on that. It has a schedule of events, has everything you're going to need to know about, you know, how, why, when, where, all that stuff, right? So that's coming today. And then we have a, a Telegram group that's been set up. It's a private telegram group. So you can go there. Some people are already there. The information for that is in the, in the email. And this is uh, the mark of a new era of email communication for me. I have been very, very, very lax on that, but um, I've hired a terrific person to help me get these emails out to subscribers. And uh, you know, when I say subscribers, I'm talking about people that actually subscribe to the show, donate to the show. So I'm getting ready to work on that side of thing in a much more concerted way. There are also people who just want to subscribe and um, get the, uh, get the, you know, get the newsletter or whatever. So we have two subscriber lists and somebody putting out two separate newsletters once a month. The first one is going to officially come in the 22nd and we're going to, you know, have a newsletter that starts off with uh, the new season of every astrological sign. So I'm really psyched. I mean, it's a minor development, but to me, it's a major development because it's allowed me to uh, find somebody who's like really competent and good at this and turn them loose and, uh, you know, compensate them, pay them whole nine yards. So uh, today is the first unofficial email. And if you're coming to the event, you'll get it. And then starting on the 22nd, you're going to get the monthly email blasts. So anyway, um, let's get into our clubhouse over here. We're, this would be the uh, nautical clubhouse. He's a call them like what the ore house or something like that. The ore house, not the whore house, but the ore house. And uh, of course we're talking about Chataria. All right, let's see what we have here. Da, 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 da. DJMC, what's going on, Michael? Looking forward to seeing you in October. Queen Lisa is here. There's my man, Tom. There's my man, Ryan. The beautiful Sony. Hi, Sony. 
Hey, we got a Catherine Kramer sighting, double K. Welcome to the show. CC Jones, fantastic, is here. The lovely Anna Sophia. Uh, let's see, who else do we have? Pam Jerome, what's going on, Pam Jerome? Good morning, great day to be alive. Look around and take in the beauty that life has been given to us. Stay in peace and honor. What a lovely, lovely sentiment, Pam. Couldn't have said it better myself. Michael Pafford is here. What's going on, Michael? The beautiful one, Wendy says. She's checking in. It's Thursday. My brother Steve. Good morning, Miss Nakia. Hey, hey, right back. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Mm -mm. Mm -mm -mm. Nicholas Grimm. What's going on, Nicholas? Morning to you. Top of the morning to you. Uh, let's see. Hucklebuck, 411. Good day, right back. I think the opening song is Sounds of Silence. That would be John Cage. Little John Cage. Maybe I'll play John Cage one of these days, which is kind of a... Uh, par it's not a paradox. What would, it, what would it be called? It would be called an enigma wrapped in a paradox, something like that. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I just got a little bit of a late start today. What's up, Maurice 100? Good morning, everyone. By the way, the, the initial email from Robert during the October event was in my inbox this morning. Good. Good. Glad you got it. Let's see. Who else do we have here? Uh, look, no neck. I know. Donald, <laughs> Donald Fagan. Donald Fagan should just invest in nothing but turtlenecks. Joe's is great, man. Joe's, that song is great. And, you know, that was a pastiche video. So it was a lot of different videos, uh, nicely edited and blended into one. And you had uh, Chuck Rainey on bass, Bernard Purdy on drums. And Walter, uh, Walter Becker having the odd run there on the guitar solo. Normally used to hire out for that. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Donald Fagan has some long insight. He must be immediate. Donald Fagan is an odd, odd character. Sun is shining in Michigan. Up in the Upper Peninsula, where the animals are wild, but the people are wilder. Something like that. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Mm -mm -mm. Robert just knows the best songs to play. You know how you know how to get to the host. You know how to get to the host. I love that. Don't let the sun fool you, Pam. Winter is coming. Tom Dar, I love that. That is so funny. Miss Nakia offering her a little bit of wisdom. Open another window until it's done. I like that. Cappy Carey's here. What's going on, Carrie? Going to be seeing you in October as well. It does have a great beat. A very dark winter. It certainly seems to be that way. Is there any good stuff like this today? I'd say the answer is mostly no, unfortunately. There was a really good run in music back around 20, between like 2012 and 2016. There were a lot of really interesting bands um, that came out at that time. You had Tame Impala, 
my morning jacket, um, Toro Imoa. There was a lot of really good music coming out there. I'm like, fuck, this is great. We finally have some, some good new bands, good new artists. And then none of that ever got promoted. And all we get is this shit pop, this shit K-pop and all these little shit pop stars. And then we get the shit mumble rap. And I'm like, this is what we, and the only thing that we can kind of turn to is like country music, like country music. I've talked about this before. It's become the new rock. And it's like, ah, you know, some country music's okay, but the golden days of music for now are behind us. Miss Nakia says all crap. I'm afraid that's, you know, it's hard. Cause it's like, well, you know, I remember back in the day when uh, we went to that day in the green concert and uh, you know, we saw Santana and uh, the Rolling Stones and Eddie Money and, and we, you know, when nobody cared about anything, we all shared each other's weed and, and, uh, you know, and it was just, it was great. That was the time and that was the music. And, you know, I mean, just, there's some shit like that. It's real. It's real though. I'm sorry. It's real. It's real. I was reading about Garth Brooks's big concert in, I think, Scotland. And he has all these like things, all these like rules for his fucking concert. And I'm like, it just didn't used to be that way. It, it was one of those stories that made the headlines. You know, Chris Brooks imposes strict. They weren't all that strict, but usually artists don't come out and, and have a behavioral manifesto. And he did. Um, Pam Jerome, don't let anybody, anybody, Put their clouds in your sunny day. Rocky from Smoky, Montana. Hi, Rocky. Welcome to the show. I will keep a light bright to keep the darkness out. Bless your heart, Pam. Few ye matches, we got them. Uh, there's Janine. What's going on, Janine? This is this is a can-do crew. We got a great mixture of the can-do and the black pill, fuck you. I think this is, you know, if, if, if this is kind of a manifestation of my mind, you guys are representing me perfectly. Can-do and black pill, fuck you. You're awesome. Uh, let's see, who else do we have? Kelly B. Kelly B always comes in after the music's over. God bless you. You missed a very good song this morning. <laughs> Pam, you're funny. Yes, I totally missed the song this morning. Busy with work and whatnot. It's always the whatnot that'll get you. Watch out for the whatnot. By the way, what, that's a word I've never used. I've never used, except for then. I can't say never. I just did. But that's a word that um, I've never really tapped into. Watch out for the whatnot. All right. 
even Sony says, what not being keys? <laughs> you got, we're like one mind. I just read that comment. We're like one mind. We, we, are, we are mind melding. This is fucking awesome. This is where the Aquarian age starts right here. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? See Pines, it's nice to have you here. There's my man, Mark M. The talented one. Kelly had crazy. Kelly's sharing her dreams. I had crazy dreams again last night. The kind of start before even really asleep good. One drawback to no longer being ahead. The vivid dreams are back. I used to have really vivid dreams. Anna Sophia, nice and white satin moves my soul. It's a great song. Rumble not live. It should be live. Let's see. Well, it's live. I'm not sure why it's not, but it says here it's live. It's asked me if I want to end the live stream. Anyway, you're much more important. I remember watching Dark Shadows back in the day. Creepy. Queen Elizabeth II has died. Age 96. We break the news here. I guess she had to meet, what's her name? Truss. Liz Truss. Before it happened. Did you see her hands? Her hands were... Uh, says she's under medical supervision. All of Queen Elizabeth's children now at her side. Harry Megan rushed to be with Queen Liz. Do us a favor and fucking stay there. You grifters. Uh, let's see. Let me confirm. Sounds like she's going. I tweeted there had been an announcement. That's from the BBC about the death of the Queen. This was incorrect. There has been no announcement. So she is, she's on her way out, right? Of course, some people say, well, she's already dead. She, she died five years ago. It's 96, born April 21st. And uh, to me, this is the rise of William. I do not think Charles will will become king. If he does, it's not for very long. Uh, Maurice says, our first TV in our house in Detroit, Michigan was 12-inch Admiral Black and White. I can relate to those Black and White TVs. All right, let's see. Who else? So it says she hasn't died yet. She just met Liz Truss. Now, let's see who else do we have here. I'm loving the gummies. I'm a much calmer person now. God bless you. Daytime gummy, not a bad thing if you can handle it. I've had a daytime gummy or two. Uh, let's see. Rumor has it. They aren't officially announcing it yet. 
Mm, let's see. We once had a ball called, bar called the Orhouse. See, it's not an unpopular uh, name. All right, who else do we have? Country is the new rap. Oh God, fuck! It's we all went to Altamont and got along like brothers. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, like like the Hell's Angel brothers. That movie's a trip, man. Give me shelter. Wow. That'll keep you occupied for a couple hours. My my son finally got a band to see his love for years. I finally built the spill. I remember that band. They were very big in the early 2000s. Back in the olden days. Back in the olden days. Well, we used to smoke that good Mexican weed. Well, that will hawking tops. Oh, uh, let's see. We are warriors. We are. Uh, we are. And if you're not, well, there's always a chance to occupy the space in the future. Uh, need more diversity. England be in need of Pakistani or sub-Saharan. They tried to get Rishi Sunat in there, didn't they, as the PM? Another World Economic Forum whore. But instead, they got Liz Truss, another world. Have you seen the Minister of Health? All these ministers of health look like fucking fat pigs and slobs or, or um, you know, tranny disasters. And I, I'm of the uh, mindset and persuasion that they're all Satanists. They're all Satanists. You just look at them. They just, they reek. And they've got this guy now in the White House who is in charge of monkeypox. And he's like a fucking you know, Tom of Finland guy, you know, with um, a bunch of BDSM shit on his feet. And he's got a, he's got a pentagram tattooed on his chest. I mean, these are the people now that they're putting in charge and they are telling you, they're telling you prima facie front and center that they are employing Satanists. Satanists are now, they've now moved into positions of power that we've always known that there's been some satanic element involved in power. But now they don't give a shit. They're just telling you. They're just telling you, here you go. These are your new leaders. Suck it up, buttercup. Bend over and take it. Whatchamacallit. Yes, the whatchamacallit. The whatnot and the whatchamacallit. Let's see who else we have. What not is an easy way to include the crazy of life. What not? How so? How so? You could probably put how so together too. How so? How so? Then it sounds like a, like a dish off of a Chinese menu. Yeah. We'll have an order of the how so please. Do you, could you just put the, the uh, bamboo shoots on the side. We'd like to kind of just put those in ourselves. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Anybody else? We're good. Is everybody here? Are we all present and accounted for? Any significance in today's date for her death? 
She may hang on until the full moon. Maybe. Daytime cum gummies will quiet down even a jabber jaw like me. It's like day drinking. The daytime, the daytime gummies is like the Satanist. It's just a lifestyle choice. I know, right? <coughs> oh yeah, Podesta's back too. The legions, the legions of the Dark Lord are now there assembled and waiting for your, uh, waiting to serve you. They're our public servants. They are our public servants. Why discriminate against a little satanic public service? I mean, we pay them with our tax dollars. Well, I'm sure they'll represent us. Okay. Um, last night was a weird night in the world. Okay. Weird fucking night. We're going to get into Mar-a-Lago. I wanted to look at like the history of Mar-a-Lago and what's going on with these documents. Okay. So something's going on with the documents. And um, Lisa, a friend of the show, sent me uh, a blip today, which showed up in a couple of other places that, uh, that Trump had some very interesting, uh, how do we say, information about Obama, Iran, and the UN, and this big fucking deal where Obama sent all this money to Iran. Remember that? And it's come out that Trump has had all these, you know, all this information around highly sensitive, like nuclear secrets for other countries. That's a spin. That's a spin. What they're trying to do is they're trying to cast Trump as like an arms dealer and, and an extorter. So I can do the Trump thing. How does he do it? How does he do it like this? Why don't I just talk like this for the whole show? If I do this, maybe it'll improve the quality of my show. Maybe I'll get some of that Masonic juice right there in my solar plexus. Oh, yeah, I can feel it. I can feel it. Oh, oh. Um, that's what they're trying to spin this thing as. We had all these secrets, all these different countries, all these different codes, and he was going to sell them on the black market extort these countries so he can get elected president again. What in fact, what he probably had, and by the way, if he's halfway smart, and I do think Trump is halfway smart. Don't kid yourself, right? He's not the village idiot. Sometimes he acts like one. Sometimes he makes decisions that are not in the public interest like allowing his daughter to marry that shithead son-in-law of his, right? But he did, that was a whole power move, family power decision. That, that, that was like the intermarriage of the Rothschilds or the intermarriage of the nobility of England. That's how that thing got set up, right? But he's But Trump is not dumb. So did he have documents there that, were ba basically the smoking gun with Obama and the uh, the Iran deal where we sent them a shit ton of money and then kickbacks to the UN and all this other crap, right? And if he did have that, 
do you think that those were the originals? So it's a really interesting drama that's still unfolding. Now, you also have this, this uh, master uh, judge, right? The master judge, the master magisterial judge, the magic magic, the magic magisterial master judge who basically said that the White House can't do anything right now. They can't do And yet there was also some other ruling that they had to, well, it came out that, that this, that this is what's interesting is that the, the, the ruling said that the incumbent president ordered the raid. That's what it said. Now who's the incumbent president? Is it Biden or is it Trump? Well, let's just say, for the sake of argument, it's Biden. That's an easy one. But what happens if the incumbent president is Trump and he ordered the raid on himself? Now that gets a little weird, right? That's like, why would he do that? I mean, you know, all of a sudden it gets very strange. But maybe there's a, a bigger plan in place here. But they have... So then it came out, right? You had the Time Magazine cover, top secret. Yeah, we're fucking idiots. Top secret. And then there was another like news flash that they didn't find anything. Like they went there and there was nothing. Right? They it was like they went there and it was just all. Who the fuck knows his daily menu for McDonald's or something and a bunch of other shit. I'm not sure that's true. I think that's one of those things that they float into the news as a bit of a misdirect. I think they found something and I think they found something that they didn't like. And I don't think they found the originals either. That's what I think. Cause I think he's too smart to just, have those documents there, right? And I wouldn't be surprised if this is all a trap. This is this is all just one big fucking trap. And I have no illusions that Trump is some savior. He's going to, you know, ride in with white hats. It's, I, I don't have any illusion around that. But I do think there are deep grudges in these various families that just like gang stuff or they get, they get settled, settled out in weird ways. Right. And I think this is part of it. I think this is one of them. So apparently Obama had another fucking painting made of himself yesterday. And there's an, there's another painting of Michelle and they unveiled it at the white house and uh, poopy pants was in his seat too long. Didn't stand up. Got corrected by Jill. You've all seen the video. It's just, it's a, it's another demoralization thing, right? You have the the the, the king and the queens, Obama and uh, Michelle, and then you have uh, Joe's handler, Jill, and then you have this dotty old fucking president who sits down while everybody else gives this rousing standing ovation for Barack Obama. 
And the word of the street is that Obama didn't look so good. Like he was like a little troubled, a little troubled. So we'll see where this thing goes. If, if, uh, if this is true, you know, we're, you're, we're dealing with kind of a self-destruct moment. What, what was again in, in Star Trek it was called the Kobayashi, the Kobayashi uh, effect or the Kobayashi code or something like that where Kirk decides he's going to explode the entire ship and he lets the, these are like the Tholian web or something like that. And he's, and it's a bluff, right? It's like a big poker game. And I think that, that that's, that could happen. Although it could be, it could be real. So we're in a really um, tense period right now because that shit in Mar-a-Lago is like a wild card. And it's, and it's just out there and it's floating around. And if these people are dead set on their survival, they will do anything. And I mean anything in order to maintain and ensure that they will retain power. So we could be talking about massive false flags or, you know, between now and the midterms, you know, this is hurricane alley. This, this is, this is, and especially with Mars and Gemini where things can happen just very, very quickly. But there are other things that went on last night, and we're going to get back into the Mar-a-Lago stuff. There are two events that were just completely and utterly bizarre, and in a strange way, kind of related. And neither of them bode well for the unfolding scene uh, in the in the rapid decline of what we would call culture uh, in this country. So I don't know if you guys. Um, caught that, caught well, caught this last night. But there was a guy who went running around uh, Memphis, and and he was. I'm sorry, I'm laughing at something else. Um, he was running around Memphis, and he was shooting people and live streaming. Let me show you this. Let me show you the story here. This is a fucking bizarre story. He was live streaming. Now, I don't like to be one of those people that says, well, will the Democrats talk about this when it comes to guns? Because you fucking know they won't. There's no use in saying it. There's no use in referencing the, uh, the hypocrisy. So Memphis has become just a total shithole. And this guy, Ezekiel Kelly. Here, let's let's let the uh, let's let the news tell the story. Oh wait, go go check the news. Social with the first day morning, I get I hit two and say I missed. You hear me? We begin with breaking news this morning. A night of terror, violence, and fear coming to an end after a 19-year-old man went on a deadly shooting spree across the city of Memphis. Just a horrifying night for so many. And we want to get you up to date on the very latest. Here is what we know right now. The suspect is in custody. His name is Ezekiel Kelly. 
This is a new mugshot that we just got into the Fox 13 newsroom. We know police say that he shot seven people, killing four of them. The location of his shooting spanned across the city, and police say at least eight separate locations were involved. He was captured in Whitehaven, which is apparently where Graceland, it's the neighborhood where Graceland is. All right, let's keep going here. We know some locations of the shootings included Mitchell Heights. And during his shootings, police say that Kelly was posting videos of the attacks across Facebook. Eventually, police captured Kelly after a chase in Whitehaven at Ivan and Hodge Roads. He is being charged with first degree murder, but we are expecting many more charges this morning. And Fox 13's Jeremy Pierre joins us live from Whitehaven, uh, where this all came to an end. Jeremy, what do we know this morning? Well, this morning, Ezekiel Kelly, this man right here, charged with one count of first-degree murder. We're expecting more charges to come throughout the day. And let me tell you this, this is where it all ended. Ivan and Hodge here in Whitehaven. Look, this was a crazy, crazy scene last night. Uh, it was an end to a horrific night. Um, all across the city, a lot of people were just scared, scared. And um, just, uh, it was a moment last night where this area right here flooded with Memphis police officers, uh, law enforcement from other areas, crime scene tape stretching as far as that building you see over there with those blue lights. I mean, you can still see some of the crime scene tape still attached to a stop sign and a yield sign here in this neighborhood in Whitehaven. Now, of course, we want you to stay with us all throughout the day here on Fox news specifically here on good morning memphis we're going to continue to stay on top of this story all throughout the day uh, again horrific night it came to an end right here in this neighborhood you can already imagine how these folks felt when this all ended right in their backyards mm. reporting live this morning here in whitehaven jeremy pierre fox 13 news all right, thanks, Jeremy. And this morning, we are also hearing from Memphis city leaders. They held a media conference at midnight after the suspect was caught. Memphis Mayor Jim Strickland, Police Chief C.J. Davis, and new District Attorney Steve Mulroy all talking about the violence that is impacting our city right now. We need additional state laws to stop this revolving door. And I need the public to make your voices heard by those decision makers. The homicide division and other investigators. Why are the police chiefs now always black women? Right? They're always black women now. Oh, I, I could go through almost any major city in America. And I'm not saying they're not unqualified candidates, okay? But they're always black women now. And I'm like, okay, here we go. She's fucking highly decorated. Look at this. She's got, she's got five stars right there. A little pentagram, pentagon. She's got all these medals here. I mean, this woman is like a fucking war hero. All right. So, uh, this is a and okay. These people who are up there, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about, but they want to put a bandaid on a mortar wound. That's what they're trying to do. It's a Band-Aid on a, on a mortar wound. That guy who went running around is a byproduct of a number of different things. It, you know, the, the, the baseline is a byproduct of, you know, 
shitty upbringing, obviously, you know, you don't have to be, and I'm not being you know, like uh, xenophobic or racist, but I lived in Oakland. I managed an apartment building in Oakland, like right, right on the edge of the hood. You go a few blocks to the west of or south of where I lived. It was, it was sketchy. You went to, to the south and then to the west, it got even sketchier. Right. So I lived on the hood zone and most of my tenants in that building were so-called black. Uh, I didn't have a problem with most of them, but I saw like how this thing formates and you have single mothers, multiple dads. It's the way it is. And then these kids are raised without dads and the boys grow up. And by the time they hit 14, 15, hormones start kicking in and I watched this one kid who lived across the street when I got there I was there for four years when I got there he was I think maybe 11 or 12 and by the time I left he was 16 and he was a fucking menace by the time he was 16 and he like he grew right he went from being kind of a skinny kid to you know being you're kind of buff and cut and strong and angry. Okay. I saw it. And he, he started to like, there were these two, two women, young women who shared an apartment in the building and they were probably in their late teens, 19, 20. And I remember him actually like getting into the building and getting into or onto the third floor where they lived and trying to harass them and get into their apartment. And, and, you know, they were, they were attractive. They're attractive young women. Right. And he's like, I want some of that. And he, he, it was, he, you know, he had no business being in the apartment. And I could just see how the fragmentation of the family with no real male figure around was completely imploding this community and it wouldn't be much of a stretch for me to go into that guy's life and with a few variations come up with a similar story although there are probably some other parts of there even darker because when i was there too it was like that was the beginning of uh crack cocaine crack started to come in it was the early 90s so there was also that that you know, I was having, having to deal with, and it was, it was, it was kind of a nightmare, but it was an interesting experience. So this guy byproduct of neglect, dark social engineering. And then what did we have last year? Well, last, well, I'm sorry. It just seems like last year, two years ago, summer of Floyd, they're burning the fucking country down. There's violence on the streets. People are getting away with it. And every single day, systemic racism is pushed, 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 pushed. And what they didn't tell you in that story was Ezekiel Kelly was shooting a particular group of people. All right. So what these city leaders are doing, and they're, you know, we need more of this, more of that. We need the people to get behind, shut up and just get behind us, right? you're dealing with a fucking much bigger problem. Okay. A much, much, much bigger problem. And you're talking about turning around an aircraft carrier in the ocean. 
you're talking at least one to two generations. There's nothing you can do in the immediate moment to fix that problem with the exception of just going full South America, right? You have full South America in anybody that has a modicum of a record and has exhibited some form of violence, like you just get preemptive. I, I mean, that's about the only way you can, and I'm not recommending this, by the way, this whole pre-crime model. But if you want to stop it, then you have to profile everybody that is a potential threat like that. I hate to say this, and I'm really not advocating it, but it's the only way you're going to stop it. You just take them out. Not, I'm not saying take them out, like kill them. You got to take them out of the situation. You got to take them out of the city. You got to have a whole facility set up and just say, you're out of here, right? You're at, we know that you're a potential threat. You've got a record. We can't afford it, right? You've been in and out, you know, of the, of, of custody over the last nine months. Sorry, here you go. And maybe you can set up some kind of rehabilitation. I don't know what you do, but that's about the only way you can do it. In their world, like in the now, if you want to solve that issue, you got to go full South America. If not, then you got to have a much longer plan, much longer plan. And it was really interesting because Jason Whitlock was talking about Don Staley last night. And I promise I'll get to the Mar-a-Lago stuff. Uh, Jason Jason Whitlock was talking about Don Staley. And Don Staley is the coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks. I think uh, she's a, she's the coach of the women's team. She probably likes that name, Gamecocks. Anyway, uh, Dawn Staley and her team was supposed to play BYU with a home and home, meaning that they'd play BYU in South Carolina and then they go to BYU. I think they're going to go to BYU first and then BYU would play in South Carolina. Dawn Staley canceled it because she was afraid. She was afraid of what might happen to her team there because Rachel Richardson, who's a volleyball player who plays for Duke, was at a tournament in BYU, and apparently somebody in the stands kept uttering the N-word according to her godmother, her godmother, not even her her blood-related godmother who lives in Texas um, and is running for some stupid fucking office and is, you know, a, ba- a race baiter ambulance chaser. So what did BYU do? Well, Oh, we apologize. Oh, we apologize. There's no proof that it happened. And in fact, people have done investigative journalism. It didn't happen. It was a Jussie Smollett moment. Okay. A Jussie fucking Smollett moment. And the person they accused of doing this, special needs person. Oh, yeah. let's. So where the fuck is the special needs community? Right? Don't they stand up for their own oppressed? I mean, come on, people. So Don Staley saw that. We're not playing in BYU. Oh, that's too dangerous. So Jason Whitlock did a show last night. This is before Mr. Kelly went cruising around the city. Um, live streaming and and uh, and basically shooting people, killing. I got to kill four people. 
Jason talked about how dangerous Memphis is. And would he keep, would Dawn Staley keep her team from playing in Memphis because it was so dangerous? And that was before the shooting. I can't wait to see Jason's show today. So the reason why this is happening is because, number one, they, they have spent two years from a governmental perspective and a media perspective, which are really one and the same now. The media is the propaganda arm of the government. Who's ever, and it, I guess if it's Trump, it's the anti-government, whatever. And they have spent two years showing video after video of either people being abused or shot and or looting, pillaging, burning, and stealing and getting away with it. All right, this is what's happened. And and it's not it's it's and, and, and the and the people that are responsible for this aren't always your usual suspects. And I just keep going back in my head and watching. I remember I watched Sean Hannity live, and it was right after George Floyd. He played that fucking George Floyd video over and over and over and over and over and over again. Like Sean Hannity could not get enough of the fucking George Floyd video. And he brought on Dan Bongino and, you know, Dan, you're, Dan, you're a martial artist. What do you think? What happened here? Oh, no, no, no. And, you know, and after I think the second or third time he fucking played it, Bongino's like, hey, can I get off? Like, you're like going way overkill. And then he brought on Bernard Carrick, who was uh, the police chief of New York during 9-11. He knows all the secrets of fucking 9-11, which is coming up, by the way. And. He did the same thing, played it over and over and over again, right? So what is that doing? That was inciting people. That was igniting people. And then you know, we see all these videos of these kids doing these uh, flash mob raids on liquor stores, and all that gets out, right? So if you're watching this, you're a kid or you're, you know, you're you're a young thug or whatever, you're going, all right, I get it. I get it. Let's mobilize, right? That's that's the message that's been sent. That and the fact that in many cases, in many cases, a lot of these people, especially in New York, slap on the wrist and off you go, right? So there's also been this whispering through the communities that literally you can get away with murder now. You can get away with murder. And that's why we had that event last night in Memphis. That plus the breakdown, the fracturing of the family, the community, right? And and all and these people who are out on the streets and doing this stuff have been weaponized. They're weaponized now. And some of it is direct weaponization. And some of it is indirect weaponization. Because the other thing we don't know is that there could be remote triggers for these people. Now, one of these days, I'm going to do a, a show on Operation Red Mist, <clears throat> which is really fascinating. I think I talked about it once before. But it's what happened in Rwanda and how they got the Hootsies and the Tootsies to um, become engaged in 
one of the uh, most horrific bloodbaths of the 20th century. I mean, horrific. And there's a lot of backstory around how this happened. And a lot of it had to do with the spraying of certain chemicals and guess what? Frequencies. Frequencies. So there was one of these cheap, cheap uh, Charles Bronson movies back in the 1970s called Telephone. Charles Bronson was doing like a movie every, every six months. And they all had Jill Ireland in it, right? And um, in the movie Telephone, the telephone was a weapon, right? It was a very crude um, rendering of what potentially could happen now with your 5G fucking phone. You get somebody who's already on the screaming edge, on the bleeding edge. From the background that I talked about, from the saturation of propaganda and programming and the sharing of information inside of a certain community, right? This, and then stoking the fires that white people bad, kill white people, right? That's all running around and then streaming on Facebook because he wants clout. You put all that together and then maybe, just maybe, you set the frequency at a certain level and then the next thing you know, he snaps, maybe he has a command of some sort, who knows, right? And then he's off and running. Maybe it's not that sophisticated. Maybe it's just a byproduct of everything I talked about. But then again, maybe not. So Operation Red Mist was an intentional operation where they amped the anger levels to 11 in terms of rage. And they watched a country literally tear itself apart. So maybe I'll do a show on that. It's, kind of, it's very intense. And could we be seeing an operation, red mist-like operation here in this country? I don't think it's out of the question, especially if we bring it back to the whole Trump thing. And if you have an administration, which will hit a self-destruct button, right? They'll hit a self-destruct button. You look at a place like um, upstate New York or New York in general, Kathy Hockle's like, no, you're not buying ammo unless we get to see your, your uh, social media profile. What are they doing? They're basically taking the ability of the individual to arm themselves. That's what's happening there. And then what? You get an unarmed people or people that are less than capable of defending themselves, and then you run a psychotronic program on a group of people like Operation Red Mist. And what do you have? You've got the purge. And this is all very, uh, I don't want to use the word frightening because I don't want anybody to be frightened, but it's alarming. This is alarming. And we're headed into the, uh, we're headed into the midterm alley. There's this other thing that happened. <laughs> This is a little bit more funny. I promise we will get into the Mar-a-Lago. We already talked a little bit about Mar-a-Lago. But this 
It is fucking bizarre. Okay. This happens in the same day. The same day that the dude is running around Memphis live streaming his target practice. This happens. <laughs> so this guy apparently got on a roof and started shooting people. Now, his mode of evading capture, I have to give him some points here for originality. Instead of running or instead of commandeering a car and crashing it, this guy decides to traverse the uh, power lines Dangerous situation in Washington, D.C. So that the police can't get to him. I don't know what happened. Let's watch this. This is funny as shit in a weird way. Mentioning those power lines. Dangerous situation as he is uh, literally um, dangling, uh, dangling and just trying to uh, switch over to the other side using several power lines uh, yeah. as his uh, base to just basically use some more, you know, as a base to hold on. But the way he is climbing mentioning those power lines dangerous situation as he is uh, literally um, dangling, uh, dangling and just trying to uh, switch over to the other side using several power lines uh, yeah. as his uh, base to just basically use some more you know so he's on the power lines he's, he's it's not just the, the cords themselves so what happened to this dude let me just see here let me just see Naked man fires shots in Northwest D.C. Here we go. Authorities say a man is in custody for firing shots, um, exposing himself and climbing wires and rooftops in Northwest D.C. neighborhood Wednesday in a stand-up lesson into the early morning hours. So there he is, <laughs> fucking Spider-Man. Uh, police say the man was experiencing mental health crisis when he climbed across the power lines, well, if I can shot people. You know what else is really interesting is last night on uh, Jason's show, Shamika talked about this guy who she was in the eighth grade with who wanted to be Spider-Man when he grew up. So like last night's show was really weird for Jason because number one, you have like a Spider-Man kind of guy and then Jason's talking about the violence of Memphis, and then boom, there's we live in a very uh, distorted, surreal, simulated reality, right? When when you have a TV show that talks about these things, and then hours later, those things become real. All right, we got about, uh, let's see, uh, 10 minutes left here. Let's get into some Mar-a-Lago. And this is more about the history of Mar-a-Lago and less about Trump, although we did get into Trump a little bit uh, with the whole Mar-a-Lago thing and the documents and the fact that uh, there's something going on here. And, and I think that they're probably going to do everything in their power to corral Trump. I don't think, I think, I think this is like, again, crime family infighting and Trump has the goods on him. So Mar-a-Lago looking 
little Tartarian there, probably too new, but a little Tartarian, right? So let's get into the history a little bit. Um, Within 48 hours after the presidential election last November, the Palm Beach Daily News headlined a question that many in town were asking, Trump's Mar-a-Lago, another winter White House. By January, the president-elect had an answer, writing in my inaugural address at the winter White House, Mar-a-Lago. He tweeted from his elite private club. This is his place, okay? Along with a photograph of himself seated behind a large desk, legal pad, and pen in hand. Palm Beach might have been having deja vu. And not only because President-elect John F. Kennedy wrote his inaugural address at his father's estate in the town's north end, the woman who built Mar-a-Lago in the 1920s and presided it over it for almost half a century, Marjorie Merriweather Post, had gone to great lengths to turn the mansion into an official wintertime presidential retreat. So... I don't know how many people have really looked at Mar-a-Lago as a structure and a historical, um, its historical relevance. But even the extreme, but even extreme wealth has its limitations. This is my visit to the Post family papers suggests they occupy 57 seldom seen linear feet at the University of Michigan's Bentley Historical Library and document the life of one of the most famous and consequential women of the 20th century. The files offer unusual glimpses of the girl who glued labels onto packages of post. So this is the post family. This is, this is one of the, uh, I wouldn't call them robber barons, but one of the industrial families of the early 20th century that made a shit ton of money. Post and the coffee substitute that made her family's fortune and the woman who built the General Foods Corporation, her four husbands, her bountiful philanthropy, her mega yacht, her grand balls, her jaw-dropping jewels, all are documented in the archives. And there is a volume-bound and still handsome red leather, a yellowing file card dated February, March, 1976, is taped to the cover of original proposal for disposition of Mar-a-Lago. The mansion dates to the 1920s when Palm Beach's wealthiest visitors were forsaking luxury hotels for their own digs says Debbie Murray, chief curator of the Historical Society of Palm Beach County. Construction began in 1923. It kept some 600 workers busy. Florida entered the Depression earlier than the rest of the country. The mistress ensured that her workers wouldn't go hungry. Even by Palm Beach standards, Mar-a-Lago was grandiose. 58 bedrooms, 33 bathrooms. 33 fucking bathrooms. Gold-plated fixtures, easier to clean clean post-believed, an 1,800-square-foot living room, 42-foot ceilings, 110,000 square feet glinted with gold leaf, Spanish tiles, Italian marble, and Venetian silks. All told, Post spent $7 million, somewhere north of $90 million today. It was finished in 1927. That March, Post and her second husband, Edward F. Hutton, that's E.F. Hutton, remember? When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen, that was her husband. Had a few score guests over for dinner for the annual Everglades costume ball. The host wore costumes evoking the reign of Louis XVI. But there was also noblesse oblige in 1929 when she hired the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus to perform for a charity fundraiser. Now, the Ringling Brothers and uh, P.T. Barnum, 
they're all Florida based and they're all deeply ensconced in Freemasonry and the, um, how do I say this? Um, the inheritance of what seems to be Tartarian structures that live in Florida that, that were built and were there. The other thing that's interesting is that there apparently elephants were native to Florida, which is why they got into elephants. So the theory is, is that at some point the Moors came over from North Africa, Southern Spain, and they brought elephants with them. Like you could bring elephants on ships, bring horses on ships, cows on ships, right? They brought elephants on the ships and they introduced the elephants to Florida. And that's how P.T. Barnum and the Ringling brothers got into the elephant business because they were already there. So there's a whole history of Florida that is really uh, deep and esoteric and connected to this country in a way that people don't really understand. I was talking with uh, producer Steve, uh, and um, we were talking about trying to get this guy, John Saxer, on the show. And uh, John Saxer is in Florida. He calls himself a psychic archaeologist. And there are two separate videos, one by Saxer and one by another guy, an older gentleman from the 70s, who both believe that the Garden of Eden was in Florida. So there, there's a whole like substrata of mystery and power and um, a side of the American story that is, how do I say this? Um, very surprising to say the least. And Mar-a-Lago is part of the story. It is part of the story. It's part of Mystery Florida. And even the name, you know, Mar-a-Lago. Mar. Mar-a-Lago. Um, except that isn't how Post saw Mar-a-Lago or Hillwood, her estate in Washington, D.C., or Camp Topridge, her retreat in the Adirondacks. She arranged to donate all three properties to government entities. State of New York added some of Topridge's acreage to provide to, to a forest preserve, but sold most of its 68 buildings to a private owner. Okay, so these are all the people that have gone down to Florida. You have Woodrow Wilson. He went, well, he I guess he went to Mississippi, low rent district of Florida. Um, Warren G. Harding, John Ringling, here we go, of the Ringling Brothers Circus, was a real estate developer in Sarasota, Florida. In the spring of 1923, he offered Harding the use of a car as well as a mansion. Uh, which he began decorating after the president reportedly accepted the invite. Harding never made the trip. Of course, he dies of a heart attack on the West Coast. So that's another Ringling Brothers structure and um, addition. Calvin Coolidge and Herbert Hoover. Um, they used to go down to um, Georgia. Yeah, Roosevelt, Warm Springs, Georgia. Harry S. Truman. Naval Station in Key West, Florida, John F. Kennedy, Palm Beach property, right? So he used to go to Florida and retreat. 
so Kennedy and Trump, right? Both Palm Beach, Mar-a-Lago, and then of course, uh, that's uh, San Clemente, right? Oh, look, Nick needs to go to Miami. Interesting. So Mar-a-Lago and even the construction, the, the person who was involved with Mar-a-Lago post another one of these strange American characters. So she was born on March 15th, 1887. She lived till 1973. And one of the things that she was also known for was her Imperial era Russian art. And apparently that's on display at Hillwood. Uh, if you wanted to buy Russian art, you had to go through Arm and Hammer, who was the, uh, the go-between between the Americans and the Soviets for any business. So Marjorie Merriweather Post was born in Springfield, Illinois, the daughter of the only child of C.W. Post and the former Ella Letitia Merriweather at age 27 following her father's death in 1914. She became owner of the rapidly growing Post and Cereal Company founded in 1895. She was subsequently the wealthiest woman in the United States, inheriting 20 million U.S. equivalent of 526 million in 2020. Post attended the Mount Vernon Seminary and College, now George Washington University's Mount Vernon campus. She maintained a close lifelong relationship with her alma mater and served as its first alumni trustee. Today, a collection of her correspondence with Mount Vernon administrators is maintained by GWU's Special Collections Research Center. All right, General Foods Corporation Post became the owner of Post and Cereal after the death of her father and director of the company until 1958. She, along with her second husband, E.F. Hutton, began expanding the business and acquiring other American food companies such as Heilman's Mayonnaise, Jell-O, Baker's Chocolate, Maxwell House, and many more. In 1929, Post and Cereal Company was renamed General Foods Corporation. So the person who oversaw the uh, architecture in the building of Mar-a-Lago basically was one of the architects of the American diet. That's what General Foods was involved in, in the promotion of things like cereal, which is not good. While taking a voyage on her yacht, the Hussar, she came across the, the uh, innovations of Clarence Birdseye in Gloucester, Maine. Um, Birdseye had developed a new way to preserve Food is that Maine? That is Maine, right? Yeah. Preserve food uh, by freezing it. Post foresaw the future advantages of frozen food and bought Bird's Eyes Company, which became a success. So this person is really, in a lot of ways, one of the architects of American consumerism and diet. Post funded the U.S. Army Hospital in France during World War I, and decades later, the French government awarded her the Legion of Honor in the degree of commander starting in 1929. And throughout the Great Depression, she financed and personally supervised the Salvation Army feeding station in New York. She also donated to the, the cost of the Boy Scouts America headquarters in Washington. Years later, in 1971, she was among the first three recipients of the Silver Fawn Award, blah, 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 blah. Right? So this person is a major mover, shaker, and shaper in the story of America. Um, apparently, she scored a pair of Marie Antoinette's diamond earrings. Um, 
What else did she got? She got the blue heart diamond, heart-shaped blue diamond ring, and an emerald diamond necklace ring that once belonged to Habsburg aristocrat and one-time emperor of Mexico, Maximilian. Maximilian wasn't even Spanish. He's part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. According to the Hermitage Museum Foundation, Post was a Russophile, meaning she was a fucking commie. During the 1930s, the Soviet government under Joseph Stalin began selling art treasures and other valuables seized from the Romanov family and former Russian aristocrats after the Russian Revolution to earn hard currency for its industrialization and military armament programs. Critics have claimed these items were expropriated. However, the transactions by Post and her third husband, Joseph E. Davies, were from the recognized governmental authority. I mean, the recognized government thieves. Neither Post nor Davies were involved in the original seizing of the items. Allegations later surfaced that many works from the uh, Tretikov Gallery and other collections were either donated or offered at nominal prices. Uh, Davies also alleged a purchase art expropriated from Soviet citizens well after the Russian Revolution, including victims of Stalin's terror at discount prices. Notable residents, so there we go, Mar-a-Lago, uh, designed by Marion Sims-Wythe and Joseph Urban, post-willed Mar-a-Lago the United States federal government in 1973 as a retreat to uh, for presidents and visiting foreign dignitaries. The mansion was not, however, used for this purpose prior to being declared a last national landmark in 1980. So Trump owns a national landmark. Very interesting. So this whole idea with art is all about totems and power. All right, um, that's it for today. Thanks for being here. Just a little brief history on the architects and the builders of Mar-a-Lago. Um, I'll have more news about tomorrow. Use your head in order to so much real. Your heart said it was possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. Take care. Bye for now.